Hey, good morning. I'm Pastor Alan. I'm glad you're with us today. We started a series last week, uh, Mother's Day, called Building Strong Families. We're going to, Lord willing, go seven weeks until Father's Day talking about how to build stronger families. And last week, our, we kind of summed it up with this statement. We talked about honoring parents. Honoring parents honors the God who honors you. So, one way you can honor God and I can honor God is by honoring our parents. If you still have parents, mine are deceased, they're not no longer with us. If you have parents, no matter what age you may be, you need to honor them because that honors God. And how did God honor you? By sending His Son Jesus to die for you, right? So, that's pretty important. So, that's what we talked about last week. It's already been said. You can catch up. if It's on a podcast or on a website. But today, we're going to talk about a different topic. Uh, related to building strong families. We're going to talk about the foundation of building a strong family. Now, what is the foundation of society? We live in a society. What would you say is the foundation of society? My opinion, it's the family. Most of us live in a family, even if you're single, you live in a family unit of some sort, and you have extended family, and that's the basic foundation or uh, of society. Foundations built on the families of society. A lot of things are categorized and counted uh, based on families. <clears throat> so, if families make up the foundation of society, what is the foundation of families? And I believe it's our values, our family values. All families have values, things that they believe are true and trying to live according to those uh, and that's their values, and that's the foundation of any family. Values change. Uh, probably some of ours and our family have changed, and they change in culture over time. They change from culture. They're different from culture to culture, and so changing, they're still the foundation. The question is, whose values are you going to choose? Whose are you going to use? Where do they come from? And we can get them from lots of different places. We can see them in society. Uh, one place we can, I think they all come from and also where we can see them is in the media, whether it's in music or radio or television or whatever. So I got to thinking about this. I've been around for a little while and uh, I've seen values in our society change. And I thought the easiest way to explain it was through TV sitcoms. So way back when I was a kid, that's a long time ago, I would watch shows like, and some of you probably don't even know what that is. <laughs> Who knows what that show is? Leave it to Beaver. Actually, some of these shows are coming back now on, on some of these uh, access shows. All right, so this was 50 years ago. This was the, the, the normal, quote-unquote, family, that traditional family values. And there was a mom, a dad, dad went off to work, mom stayed home, and she wore a dress all day, right? Lots of you ladies do that now, right? And you clean the house with a dress on, and she would fix the dinner, and everybody sit around the dinner table. And the thing I thought was really interesting was the boys shared a room, and the, and the house seemed to be really big. So I'm assuming there was more than two bedrooms, but the boys shared a room, and they would talk at night. Nowadays, all the kids had their own rooms, right? And so forth. But that was... Values 50 years ago. And then we fast forward maybe 20 years or so, and then we get to a family called what? The Brady Bunch. Now, what is the significant about the Brady Bunch? They were a blended family, right? 
So there was a lady who had kids and a guy had kids and they put all the kids together and that kind of made some of the fun of the, of the show, uh, the interaction of the kids. Pretty much what we would call basic family values still, but uh, with that caveat of having to blend uh, two families of kids. I think some of those kids shared rooms too, but that's a lot of kids, right? <laughs> even though they had a nice house. I believe he was an architect even. So that was 30 years ago or so. I didn't really check the dates on these things. But now on TV we have things called modern family. And this exemplifies the values we have in our society, right? You have pretty much what you would call still a traditional family, mom and dad and three kids, But then we've got some other examples of families and family values, right? We've got an older guy who's divorced and marries a younger lady, and she has a kid, so there's kind of that dynamic. Not only that dynamic, but there's two different cultural dynamics, right? Uh, American and Hispanic blending together. And then we have what we call a same-sex marriage family. And on top of that, they were able to adopt a child, and so they have a certain set of values, and they exemplify family values, and there's other examples, of course, in our society. Now, uh, I was thinking about my family values, where they came from, my family when I was growing up, and some of you knew my mom, and it was interesting, we weren't believers, we went to church when we were kids, my mother hated lying. Didn't matter what we did, we'd get punished. But if we lied about it, man, the punishment was like twice as bad. So we learned really quick not to lie. And so I grew up with this, one of the top values in family is telling the truth. So then you get married, some of us get married, and you have her value, family values, and your family values. And then you got to figure out how to blend them together. And and this one kind of got me into trouble. I tended to be brutally honest, and so when my wife would ask, how do I look in this, I would blurt out whatever I thought. <laughs> Just happened yesterday, she got new glasses, and she's been eating for a long time, and she comes home with these glasses on, and she says, how do they look? And I didn't answer, but I must have had a facial expression. <laughs> and uh, then she, she kind of saved me, she said, uh, uh, that takes some getting used to. I said, yeah, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right, so we have these family values, right? And uh, we try and live by them, and they are important to us, and they're the foundation of our families. Now, where do you get them? You can get them from different places. Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, we believe in that book we call the Bible is a good place to get family values. If you're not a Jesus follower, you can choose some of those, choose some others. It's interesting. Uh, most of our laws, actually Western, Western cultural cultures' laws come from the Bible, right? Not killing each other or stealing each other, stuff from each other and so forth. That comes from the Bible. Those values have been around for thousands of years. Some of these other values are pretty new, um, but we, each of us has to decide where we get this foundation for our family called family Values. Now, why does God give us these values, or you might call them rules, if you like? Is God's purpose just to make your life miserable, to take away your freedom, take away your fun? Because a lot of these are, are, are worded with don'ts, don't, aren't they? <laughs> don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So is that God's purpose? Is that what the purpose of these things are? 
Well, as a, as a parent, if you have children, when you make these rules for your children, it's, it's to make their life miserable, right, kids? Your parents try to make your life miserable, right? No. <laughs> they want to protect you. Make life safe for you. Uh, we can see it in lots of ways. There's physical laws like gravity. Now, you can get on top of a 10-story building and jump off. Are you going to break the law of gravity? No, the law of gravity breaks you. And if you're smart, you're not going to do that, right? It's not for your own protection. And we do it with our parents. We do it with our kids. Don't touch the hot stove. Don't play in the street. It's restricting some of their freedom, but it's not to spoil their fun, even though they might think it's fun to play in the street. It's for their good. It's for their protection. And so God gives us these rules or these values, not to ruin our lives, not to ruin our fun, but to protect us and protect our families. So last week we looked at one of these values, honoring parents. It came from God's top 10 list, the 10 commandments. And so what about this top 10 list? Are there a significance to the order? Is the first one more important than the last one? I think so. And so we're going to look at the top of God's top 10 list, and we're going to look at the first thing. It's kind of like, if you don't do anything else, make sure you do this one, all right? Number one. So, here it is. Here's what it says, and uh, Moses wrote this down for us. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, place of your slavery. Now, we've been talking about this a lot. The Israelites were slaves for hundreds of years, and they didn't know how to have their own culture, their own society. They didn't know how anything but slavery. And in slavery, you don't have any values. Your owners tell you what to do, right? So Moses leads the Israelites out into the wilderness, and they don't know how to have a society. And so God gives them, I'm going to give you some basic rules, some basic values, so you can have a successful society based on successful families, right? And so that's what the Ten Commandments were for. And so here it is, the first one, you must not have any other gods besides me. Now, they had lived all these years in Egypt. The Egyptians had all kinds of gods, and they were fickle gods. They could kind of, one time they would do one thing they believed, and one time they'd do something else. You confuse how to please them, how they would react. And, of course, they had their Yahweh God, and they just added that to the other gods. And God says, no, 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 no. You don't add me to the other gods. I'm the only God. In fact, they're not even real gods. I'm the only one true God, and so you need to listen to me. You need to follow me. Um, now, when we fall into worshiping other gods, and we'll explain that in a little bit, how does that happen? We just all of a sudden say, okay, God, I'm tired of you. Now I'm going to go worship something else. That doesn't happen that way, does it? It happens gradually. <clears throat> gradually, our uh, other things began to take control of our thoughts and our energies and then our actions, don't they? So we don't deliberately just turn our back on God, but we do fall into this called idolatry, worshiping or following other gods. So we get from this first commandment, this first value, a principle. And I just put it in three words, easy to remember. Put God first. Okay? Put God first. 
So if you don't know any other things, any other values, any other principles, any other rules, you don't do anything else, do this one. God says, put me first. Um, Will God accept second place? What do you think? Let me kind of illustrate this way. I've been married a long time, and if I said to my wife, you're going to be in second place. I've got this other lady over here. She's in first place. And she's going to say, oh, that's fine. Not a problem. You know, I don't want to put up with you all the time. She can put up with you sometimes. <laughs> she might say that. No, no. Now, any of you wives, any of your husbands, are you going to accept second place? You're not going to accept second place, and God certainly is not going to accept second place, is he? And he's our perfect heavenly father. He has no reason to accept anything but first place. <clears throat> so we're talking about things that might take control or dominate our time, energy, thoughts. They are gods, and they could be anything. Uh, they can be, we did a series a while back on this. It could be money. It can be popularity. It can be a person. It could be some hobby. Lots of things can become God's, become priority over God, become first place in our lives other than God. So we're talking about the importance of foundation. I'm building a deck onto my house, off the basement of my house, and for several weeks I've been digging footers. And if you know what footers are, they're basically holes in the ground, 30 inches deep. And you know, if you know where I live, there's lots of rock and clay, and I'm using post hole digger and digging bar. Anyway, over a period of a couple of weeks, I've got a blister here. <laughs> uh, I've got these six holes dug, 30 inches deep. Called for the inspector. Inspector came Wednesday about noon. He said, okay, they look fine. Uh, Wednesday evening, I poured sacrete into all these holes for my footers. Now, I told my wife, hey, the worst part of building this deck is over. Uh, for me, it is anyway. I don't like the dirt work. I don't like digging holes in dirt, and I don't like mixing up concrete. I like sawing wood and putting nails and that kind of stuff. The interesting thing is, though, when the deck is done, you won't even see any of this work I've done so far, right? <laughs> you won't be able to see it. <laughs> It'll be covered up. Um, and it's really not the most pretty, hopefully the deck will be pretty when it's done. The footers aren't really pretty. But they are the foundation, they're the most important part of the deck. If you didn't put the footers in, I could build a level deck, but before long, it wouldn't be level anymore, would it? It would be slanted one way or another, kind of like the Leaning Tower of Pisa that we mentioned. So foundation is critical. So we have to decide what's the foundation of our families are going to be. And we see families falling apart all over the place. There's more family counselors and psychiatrists now than ever. And they stay pretty busy. Why are families falling apart? Because they don't have a good foundation. Solid foundation. And we would say, as most of us being Jesus followers, that they need to be built on the foundation of uh, God's Word, the uh, Bible principles that God gives to us. When God gives us a principle, He also gives us a promise. And we're going to word the promise this morning this way Put God first where I want to succeed, and He'll provide what I need. Put God first. Where I want to succeed, and He'll provide what I need. You want to, put, want to succeed in your family? Put God first, and He'll provide what you need. You want to put, and we're going to talk about some of the areas we can do this. Uh, the divorce rate is something like one in three people, and a divorce is a failure. And some of you divorce, and I'm not 
condemning you. God ex- forgives you for that like any other failure. But it, we have to admit it's a failure, right? One in three, one of the highest rates, I think, in the world is in the United States. Um, is it, are we just doomed if, you know, the divorce is going to be one out of three? There's nothing you can do? Well, interesting enough, uh, statistics tell us this, people that figure out these things. If you go to church regularly, the Bible's an important part of your life and your family's life, and you pray together. The divorce rate is one in over 1,100. One in 1,100. That doesn't mean you just go to church and not pay attention to anything there or read the Bible and not pay attention. But if you actually go to church, are involved, take it seriously, the Bible and pray, one in 1,100. You can almost divorce-proof your marriage by doing that. So interestingly enough, after Moses gets these Ten Commandments, he continues to write, and here, I want to show you a couple of things that he wrote right after that. He's got listed the Ten Commandments, and then he says this, writes this, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. All right, there again, okay, not, not all these other gods, Egyptian gods, other gods, it's just one God. It's just Yahweh God. He's our only God. Consequently, you must, it's not, now the Ten Commandments optional if you're a Jesus follower to They're not optional, right? This is what you must do. And he kind of summarizes them. If they're too hard to remember, if they're too hard to follow, just do this, all right? And you'll have a good foundation. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. Just sell out 100% to God and everything else kind of (laughs) fall into place. Now, it's interesting. When Jesus uh, was walking around on earth... One of these experts in the law said, hey, we've got over 600 laws or values as, as Israelites, Jews. And he says, which one's the most important, Jesus? And Jesus said, ah, okay, good question. And he quotes this verse. Oh, it's not up there anymore, but anyway. <laughs> uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. You know, that's it. And then Jesus said, well, there's really like two most important ones. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, remember I listened to this, it said there was Ten Commandments? Verse 4 is summarized by this. Verse 4 relate, are about our relationship with God. The next six, beginning with number five, which we talked about last week, honoring parents, all talk about relating to other people. And so that second one, love your neighbor as yourself, takes care of the other six. So Jesus summed it up for us. And Moses started back here in Deuteronomy. Then he said, and you must, not optional, if you're Jesus follower, if you are, aren't you have options about this? must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Can't be kind of half in, right? Can you be kind of half married? Can't be half married. So you're either in a relationship with God or you're not. All right, all in. And then he says something really important for those of us that are parents. Next part, please. Repeat them, what, these values. Repeat them again and again and again to your children. Do children get things the first time you tell them? Do you get things the first time you tell you? You know why I repeat myself up here? Because you don't get it and I don't get it the first time I say it. And so God's instruction is us, don't get tired of repeating it, saying it over and over. 
talk about them. So you just say, okay, I, I believe telling the truth is important, so I'm going to always tell the truth to my kids and just hope they figure it out. No, you tell them, right? This is an important value for our, for, our, for our family and for our relationships, and it's important you to do that. You talk about it. Now notice, it says you talk about it when you're home and you're, and you're away from home. That kind of covers everything, right? You're either home or you're away from home. And he says when you go to bed at night and we get up. First thing you think about, first, last thing you think about. This is important, right? So we kind of have a pattern here in parenting. Uh, if we're going to teach our values, what we think is important to our children. Some of us are grandparents or so grandchildren. You've got, they've got to hear, they've got to listen. If you're talking, somebody needs to be listening. If you're repeating, they need to be listening, hearing. Then they need to learn it, understand it. All right? What does it not mean to always tell the truth? All right? They have to understand it. And then obviously, then, obviously, they've got to obey. They've got to follow. They have to do it. It's not enough just to understand, well, I'm supposed to tell the truth, but I don't care about that. I'm going to do it. Say what lie as much as I want. So we have this pattern in parenting of repeating it over and over so that they hopefully listen, learn it, understand it, and then apply it or follow th- through with it. So how do we put this into practice? How do I put God first? So I'm going to cover about six, seven different areas quickly. We'll be done on time. <laughs> uh, uh, kind of help you figure out how to do this. First area is probably the most important area, and that's relationships. How do I put God first in my relationships? Well, you have to be choosy. You have to choose your friends. Choose who you have relationships with. Um, You chose your spouse. Um, This is why community groups, small groups are important. Uh, Choosing who to spend time with. The reality is you become like the people you hang out with, all right? Hang out with people in your small group. They're seeking after God. They're trying to follow God and change together. You're trying to follow God and change together. That kind of builds momentum. You, you hang out with people that could care less about God, and then you're going to gradually, gradually, and more, over time, care less and less about God. It's just the reality of relationships, so you have to be choosy about who your friends are. You're, if you're a Jesus follower, your best friends should be Jesus followers. You can have other friends, but they, they should be Jesus followers. Parents, this is really important. You can't always choose your kids' friends, but you sometimes, or you should, at least have some control over who they hang out with, who they spend time with, because they're going to become like the people they hang out with. This is the principle. Is it easier to pull something down or pull something up? Pull it down, right? So it's easier for your unbelieving friends to pull you down, if you're a believer, than it is for you to pull them up. So you have to be choosy. You have to be careful about who you have relationships with. And we talk about in family, a critical component of family is forgiveness. All right? Forgive everybody in any relationship, you're supposed to forgive everybody. You're supposed to forgive your enemies, not because they deserve it. It's just what's best for you. Get rid of that, that weight of that resentment and bitterness. Just forgive everybody. <laughs> Nothing's important enough not to forgive. <clears throat> but especially in, your, in, in family relationships, you need to forgive. Love requires forgiveness, right? And that means 
one of the th ways to help with that is just to take the blame for everything. Just take the blame for everything. Then you don't have to forgive anybody but yourself, right? Uh, this kind of happened uh, a week ago. We were here cleaning the, uh, the, the church and uh, building, and I got a piece of pizza on a paper plate, and, and somebody ran into me, and the pizza went up against my shirt. And my first reaction was this, to blame that person. And they said, uh, whose fault was that? And I said, oh, I said this on, on a Sunday morning. It's my fault. Did it really matter? didn't really matter, did it? Just take the blame for everything. Forgiveness, a critical part, a critical part of relationships. So if you want, put God first if you, in the areas you want to succeed. If you want to succeed in your relationships, He will provide what you need. What will He provide? He'll provide you patience. He'll provide you the ability to forgive. Just let it go. There's uh, qualities that you need in, to have good relationships. So relationship scenario, we can put God first. Secondly, uh, what are we going to talk about? Schedule. These are things we talked about in our last series, breathing room. If you're like me, you'd have these to-do lists. If you're married, you have a honey-do list, right? Spouse gives you. How do you figure out what to do? There could be 17 things on the list. Now, what we sometimes do, and I do, is, hey, here's something I can get done in 15 minutes. I'm going to do that one. So now there's only 16 things on the list, Right? Wrong way to approach your list. Best way to approach the list is by prioritizing what is the most important thing on the list. What needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done. What doesn't, what doesn't matter if it doesn't get done today. It can wait till tomorrow. Now, I'm not talking about procrastinating. I'm just prioritizing your to-do list. And how do you select? Well... By asking God, right? Okay, God, what's important for you for me to do today? And what's not important for me to do? And, and sometimes it's just to relax. That's important. God says, yeah, you just need to, to relax. You're working too hard, whatever it might be. If you're too frazzled, if you're just, you know, going 100 miles an hour, you need to prioritize activities in your life. <clears throat> An important part of that is having time for God each day. It can be in your car driving to work. It can be in the shower. I spend time with God when I'm running. You can listen to the Bible while you're driving around or running. Uh, spend some time with God. All relationships require time, right? So you need to spend time with God. If you've got a family with kids, you need to spend time with God as a family the easiest thing to start with, of course, is praying at meals, right? Just tell your kids, hey, let's just stop for a minute. Thank God that he's provided this food. So if you want to have success in your schedule, put God first, and he'll provide what you need. What he'll provide? He'll provide wisdom to decide what are those priorities. He'll give you the courage to make those decisions. But sometimes it's hard to do the most important thing over what somebody else is wanting you to do. He'll provide that. He'll help you with that. So schedule. Next one's a biggie, a toughie. Putting God first in your finances. Finances are a huge test of priorities. Does God need your money? God wants your money? No, nah, He doesn't need it. He owns the universe. He doesn't need it. 
But if you're a Jesus follower, we believe it all belongs to God anyway. What God wants is what your finances or money represents, and that's your heart. Remember that? Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Wherever your money is, check your checkbook, have your budget out. Where's your money all going? That's where your heart is. It's your priority, right? Now, in the Bible, it talks about tithing. Tithing just means a tenth. And God says, one way you can prove to yourself and to me that, that I'm first in your life, first in your finances, if you give me the ten, first 10%. All right? Why 10%? I don't know. It all belongs to God anyway. I think it's for the math challenge people. 10% is probably easy to figure out, right? Got $10, give them one. Got 100, I give them 10. Now, it's interesting. I've been doing this since I was a teenager. When you get $10, it's simple to give God a dollar, isn't it? No big deal. I still got nine left. But if I have $1,000, why is it so hard to give God 100? I still have 900 left, right? Something weird about that when those numbers get bigger. But if you want to make sure you're prioritizing God... In all aspects of your life, including finances, that's one way you do it. Now, the fascinating thing about tithing is this. It's the only place I can find in Scripture, and you didn't correct me yet, so I, maybe I'm right about this. This is the only area God says, I dare you to do this. I challenge you to do this. I'm betting <laughs> that, you, on you, that you do this. He says, if you do this, if you... Put me first in your finances, the way you want to succeed in your finances, uh, he will provide what you need. And the best example I have for my life was 25 years ago, I went about a year, and I had four kids at home then, with no regular job, just part-time jobs, preached sometimes at different churches. In fact, <laughs> the job I got after that was this job, <laughs> and I've been doing this job for 25 years. But we had a food on the table, we had a roof overhead, we had a car to drive, for that whole, whole entire year. And whatever little money we got in, God got the first 10% of that. So, God says, try it. I dare you in your finances. You want to succeed, put God first in your finances. He'll provide what you need. What are other areas we want to talk about? Uh, work slash school. Some of you in school. Some of you have jobs at work. Uh, housewife work, whatever work it might be. How do you put God first at your job? Well, who is your real boss if you're a Jesus follower? I don't care who writes your paycheck, who's your boss? God's your boss, all right? So the Bible makes it pretty clear that whoever pays your paycheck, if you're a Jesus follower, God's your boss, so you're working for Him. And if you're working for Him, how are you going to work? You're going to do your best, aren't you? You're going to be respectful. You're going to give the, you know, big, give your best effort. You're going to work eight hours for eight hours pay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Same thing with school. Um, if you're going to school and God's your boss, God's your teacher, God's your principal, maybe that's a better word. All right, you're going to do your best. You're going to study, work hard. You're going to behave. You're not going to cause problems. You're going to respect your elders and the people there. Now, part of this and we talked about this before, of putting God first in your work is to take a Sabbath. God says, I made you. I know how you work. You operate the best. One day out of seven, stop working. All right? And I already shared with you, that's the one I struggle with. But uh, 
Six days work, one day not work. And on that same, that day gives you more time to, to hang out, spend time with God, right? So if you want to succeed in your work and or school, put God first and he'll provide what you need. What's he going to provide? He's going to provide you the things you need, the intelligence for studying, the, the energy to, or the time to put aside time to study uh, at work, provides the jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So put him first in that area. Uh, leisure time kind of goes along with schedule, but I thought it was kind of a special area because most of our life is kind of, you don't have much options about, right? <laughs> uh, coming to church is an optional thing, but those you have work, school, you don't have options about that, right? And you got other things. You got to cut the grass. You got to, there's so much of life you have no choice about. But there are blocks of time in our lives that we get to choose what we're going to do, come to church or not, for example, right? So what do you choose to do? How do you choose? And how do you put God first in those things? You know, one of the things I do is run. And I do this crazy run where I run 50 miles in one day. I've done it 12 years in a row. I started when I was 52. Never ran anything. Started when I was 52. And uh, I got interviewed by the paper a couple of years ago, and they said, and part of the interview, I just said it this way. God just made me good at this. <laughs> I have no other explanation. Um... We have three people in our congregation that's done it once. I think Angie wants to do it again. They've done it once. Once you've done it once, most people don't want to do it again. All right? Uh, I'm crazy enough, but it's just the way God made me. So I give glory to God in that. And you give glory to God in any, you know, if you play, if you go golfing, you know. And part of that's just talking about it. See, when we get runners get together, we talk about running. But I can't get together with runners and talk long about running without talking also about God, right? Not in their face type thing about God, but just giving God the credit. How do you tell what's your priority in your leisure time? What you get excited about? What turns you on? What do you talk about the most? All right? And if you're never talking about God, you're not excited about God, and God's not priority. But if you put God first in your leisure time, He'll provide what you need. And leisure time is time, right? That's what you need, time to take for leisure. And lastly, but not leastly, if that's a word, putting God first in your troubles. Now, I guess most of you are kind of like me. I know I'm a little weird, but uh, well, we kind of go through life kind of doing our own thing, doing the best we can, which I think God wants us to do. But sometimes when we get in these difficulties, we try everything else, and then when, if it gets too desperate, too difficult, we say, okay, God, I need your help. Kind of the last resort thing. And I think one of the reasons we do that is we kind of just don't want to bother God. There's 7 billion people. God, I know you're busy. I don't want to bother you. Now, I know this is hard to comprehend, but my theology is this, and I saw <laughs> you nodding your head over here, Justin. I believe God gives me 100% of his attention, just like he gives 7 billion other people. We can't do that, but I believe God can do that. And, I, and we have... some issue, problem, stress in our life, God said, and we said, I don't want to bother you. God said, bother me. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Kind of you parents, right? You want your kid to bother you with their issues, their problems. They want you to bring them to, to you. God wants us to do the same thing. Now, how do you know when God is in first place with your troubles? You're not going to like the answer. <laughs> I'll warn you. 
I stop worrying. You don't have to raise your hand. We all worry, right? When God's in first place, you stop worrying. I had God in first place in my finances for almost forever. But I, haven't, I, did, I did worry about it a lot until I got some financial principles, learned some financial principles. I don't worry about money at all anymore. Good place to be, right? That's how you can tell if God's in first place. What you worry about. Jesus talked about that a lot, you know, in that thing, that Sermon on the Mount when he, when he started his teaching, and we did this verse a couple of weeks ago, so I put it up here, I'm going to put it up here in a different translation. Never used this translation before. ERV. You know what that is? Easy to read version. All right? So here it is. What you should want most is doing what God wants you to do. All right? Putting in first means doing what he wants you to do. That's the uh, the principle, here's the promise. And he will give you all these other things you need. Period. There it is. So here's your homework. I didn't write it down, but here's your homework. Figure out, not too hard, what do you worry about? And then figure out how to put God first. Now, this may seem strange to you. But you know what? I asked my wife about this. I'm not much of a worrier anymore. But the thing I tend to worry about is my work, my job. What is my job? Being a pastor of this church. And it kind of makes sense to me because I don't, want to, this, I don't want this to be me. I want this to be God. And it, it's a little struggle. And I mean, um, Justin, you have to figure this out. You know, I, when you get up to speak, is this God speaking or is this me speaking? When you make decisions about your time or helping people or not helping people, is, is this God? So that's kind of what I tend to worry about. You figure out what you tend to worry about, and then figure out how to put God first. Then you can stop worrying. We'll continue with some of these values, foundational values of family uh, next week. Hopefully you can join us. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for the tenderness of the folks here. I thank you for your principles you give us, that you uh, want us to succeed, and you know best how we could do that. And these Values, these rules, our commandments are, are, are for our benefit. We might push back against them sometime, but uh, that, that's, that's what's best. And if we put you first, wherever we put you first, we, say, yeah, we can li- relax. We don't need to worry. I don't want to pray for anybody here who's not a Jesus follower that they would take this seriously. That this is a better life as a Jesus follower, and then without him. And you provide uh, so much, God, uh, that forgiveness. You provide uh, enthusiasm, energy, strength, courage to have successful lives, successful families, things that, that would honor you. God, we thank you that that's a free gift that you offer to everyone. I thank you for those of us who have received it. We pray for those who haven't, that they would soon accept your love gift. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us know about your decisions. That's what your Connect card, response card is for. We'll collect those in a few minutes. Thank you very much.